Paul and Justin, Pastor Paul and Justin, are um, away at a conference this week, and they asked me to share. And when they um, began, when I began preparing for this, um, one huge thing came to my mind and God placed on my heart. And I know when you look up at this and you see wisdom and knowledge, um, those things look extremely similar. When we talk about wisdom and knowledge, those things, a lot of times, we interchange that word and we say it's the same. Uh, I'm going to show you tonight that those two things are brought up in the Bible multiple times, and how they're used is extremely important to how we apply them, and they're actually, uh, let's see, they're actually two sides of an extreme. They are two ends of something that we have to balance in our lives. So I want to imagine this, and and I'm going to use this metaphor out through the entire night, but um, these two things are like my feet, and if I want to move forward in my life, I have to have both of these. So if I do one of these, if I only have wisdom in my life, this is what happens. And if I only have knowledge and, and, and experience with God in my life, this is what happens. I get, I get caught. And I'll give you an example of this. Um, there are many other different denominations and religions in this world. And one of them... Uh, believes, I'll name a couple different beliefs, but one of them, I won't name names, but believes that um, in the beginning of time, God created everything, um, and he chose elect people that were, and those are the only people that are going to get into heaven. Certain number of people he selected before time, doesn't really matter what you do in your life, you've already been selected by God, you're going to go to heaven, okay? So they took knowledge, and they took one little piece of knowledge and they, or sorry, they took one little piece of wisdom, opened up in the Bible, it says, you know, something, and, and there's got a verse in there about that, and they took one thing, and instead of using the entire word of God, they decided to camp out on one verse, and this is what happened. They decided, they, they began a spiral, because we cannot just grab hold of one verse alone. It has to be the entire word of God. We have to grab hold of everything. So, the other part of this is knowledge. When I talk about knowledge, I'm not talking about in your head. I'm talking about the experience with God. And I'm going to explain deeper what knowledge is in a minute. But it is that understanding that you get from experience. Okay? So if I have an experience with God, I now have knowledge. I know him. I have a relationship. And I know you can probably think of people in your life who it is all about only the word, and I'm going to just give an example right now. This is wisdom right here, totally, complete wisdom. But if we don't have a relationship, then this turns into just wisdom going around and around in a circle without a relationship. This, that's what that means. But when we never open this up and we just experience God and we or stay in this one realm of experience, we do the same thing because we don't have the right wisdom in our life to balance it out. And I'm going to show you why we need those things tonight. So we're going to go um, to a verse. Uh, it is Proverbs 2, verses 1 through 5. If you have your Bible, you can turn there with me, but I'm going to read it from here. It says, My son, if you receive my words and treasure my commands within you, so that you incline your ear to wisdom and apply your heart to understanding. Yes, if you cry out for discernment and lift your voice for understanding, if you seek her as silver and search for her as hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Those two things in bold, I want you to really look at, because these two things 
are extremely vital in our life. And all those four things before it that we're going to go through in a minute, those four verses build up to, if you do all these things, this is, this is what you get. So obviously there's got to be something important there. If we align ourselves, this is the prize. Just like if I tell a child, you know what, you're going to get candy if you complete these tasks. Okay, I see the prize. Well, the prize is this. It's the fear of the Lord and, and find the knowledge of God. These two things are wisdom and understanding. I'm going to break this down. The fear of the Lord is what? The beginning of wisdom. At least three times in the Bible, this is, it says those exact words. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So which means there's bef- there is before something. There's, there is before wisdom, which is the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is this. When I look at God and how amazing and powerful and majestic and glorious he is. And I see that he created everything. I see him as the creator. I see him as my savior. I see him as all these different things. It brings me to a place of humility because I think I don't deserve this God to be my savior. It's so much bigger than me. And Paul has been talking about being poor in spirit. And I said it on Sunday. I want to say this again. I heard poor in spirit as the example of this, and it, it applies straight to fear of the Lord as well. But being poor in spirit is the gap between where God is and who he is and everything he is and everything he desires us to be and our present reality. So we look at ourselves and we say, I'm right here. This is how Jesus lives our life. If I'm not going towards that, I understand, okay, I'm not going to really ever get there. And I, I want to let you know, and I hope you're not expecting to be like Jesus perfectly one day, you're not going to be. There's a gap there. And that gap is what we're doing in life, is what we're going towards. We're trying to slowly close that gap to look more like Jesus, look like God's son. So in the middle of this, we see the, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And that wisdom is vital to our, and if we don't look at this and we say, oh my gosh, God is incredible. If it doesn't bring us to our knees in awe and wonder, then we don't have the beginning, okay? We have to have that awe and wonder, that fear of the Lord. Um, in Ezekiel, the first three chapters in Ezekiel, if you look, and this is one of my favorite examples of awe and wonder. I don't know, it just blew my mind when I read it. it the first three chapters, he talks about um, having this incredible vision where God makes him like eat this scroll and sees this wheel turning with fire and four horses. It's just like wild, blow your mind vision open before him, is opening his eyes and seeing this incredible thing. At the end of chapter 3, it says, he went after seeing all these amazing things and he sat down by the river for seven days astonished. <laughs> just, that's it. Seven days of just mind-blowing, oh my gosh. That amazing experience with God brought him to a place where he was totally in awe and wonder. And that fear right there of, oh my gosh, my God is so much greater. That's the beginning of wisdom. We have to start there. But then there's a second part of this. And the knowledge of the Holy One, or the verse that we saw before, the knowledge of God is understanding. Let's bring this right back up. So the fear of the Lord is is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. 
If you have anything that uh, you can write this down on, it would be really important to do so because this is, a, this is vital to what we're talking about tonight. But the fear of the Lord is that beginning of wisdom. It's so important to our lives. And the knowledge of God is understanding. So let's look at why we need wisdom. Because some people might say, well, you know what? I've got a great relationship with God. I talk to him all the time. We have great chit-chat times. I worship him tons, but you never really get in the word. We have to have that part of our lives. We have to have wisdom. So let's look at why. A couple of verses here. Proverbs 4. I love the exclamation points behind these, by the way. Get wisdom. Okay, that's a great start. Get understanding. Do not forget nor turn away from the words of my mouth. Do not forsake her. She will preserve you. Love her and she will keep you. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. If the wisest man that ever lives says get wisdom, it's a good key. It's a good starting point. All right, we need to get wisdom. Let's look at another one. For wisdom is a defense like money is a defense. For the excellence of knowledge is that wisdom gives life to those who have it. I love that. Wisdom gives life to those who have it. You want a more full life? Find the right thing in his word that's going to help you. Dig into his word. You're going to find something that's going to help. But you have to get it. But I want you to look at this. The excellence of knowledge is that wisdom gives you life. I love, we, we, uh, I think it was this past Sunday where Paul talked about um, opening up the, the computer how the, his, the guy plugged his phone into the computer. And when he plugged it in, he was wondering, why is this not charging? Well, the, the computer had to be open for the phone to charge. Same thing with this. This book has to be open for you to get life. It has to be open. It has to be ta- you have to be taking it in. Let's look at the third verse. For the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. There we go again. But fools despise wisdom and instruction. Now, this is pretty serious. If we don't get wisdom, in God's eyes, we are considered fools. I don't want to be a fool. And I don't, definitely don't want to get to heaven one day and God look at me and say, you were foolish with your time on earth. So, we've got an issue here. We've got wisdom. Got that It's the beginning of wisdom. Fear of the Lord is so... We have to not despise it. Now we're going to look at knowledge. Let me, um, let me be, actually go back one second. Wisdom. I'm going to give you an example of, of wisdom and what I'm talking about here. Um, let's say uh, my car broke down and I needed a great mechanic. And I was looking around and I asked around and this one person said, I'm a great mechanic. I have read every single book out there. Every book that's ever been uh, done about, uh, let's say I needed transmission, every book about transmissions ever, I've read it, but I've never touched one before. Am I going to let that person work on my car? Okay, they have all the wisdom in the world, but they don't have understanding. They cannot apply that because they don't have understanding of it. They have not taken it apart. They have not touched it. Therefore, all that wisdom doesn't make me trust that person because there's no experience. But the other side of it is this. If I go to someone who says, I taught myself everything that I know, but I've never done, had any other outside source in my life teach me anything. 
Nobody's ever taught me about anything. I just learned it all by myself. Right away, there's another thing. I don't know because there's never been anybody else who's poured into you and there's never been an outside source that's poured into that person so where I can trust that person with my car now. There has to be two, there has to be both. I have to have the outside source, that's wisdom. I have to have that person who's actually done it. That's the knowledge and the understanding. Both of them are important. In our Christian walk, both of them are important. If we just look in here and we never have relationship and experience, again, it's empty. We have to have it. But if we just stay in the realm of experiencing God and never apply his wisdom and the words that he's spoken in an outside source to our problems, we're stuck again and we're turning around and around on one, this Ferris wheel going around and around, never actually walking in wisdom and knowledge and and going forward in our lives. So let's look at knowledge now. We've got wisdom. Also, it is not good for a soul to be without knowledge. And he sins who hastens with his feet. I think it's pretty self-explanatory, but it immediately, uh, Solomon, who said these verses before, said it's not good. Second verse, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. That's a pretty serious word, destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because you have rejected knowledge, I will also reject you from being priests for me. Because you have forgotten the law of your God, I will, n- I will forget your children. That's pretty serious. Let me break this down. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because you have rejected knowledge, I will reject you from being priests to me. God desires priests in his kingdom who minister to him. That's something that we find out in the New Testament. A, a huge chunk of the New Testament talks about ministering to God and being a priest to him. If we don't have experience with him in, in this knowledge, he will reject us from being that priest to him. So there is a, a back and forth relationship there immediately. If we don't communicate, at, sorry, not communicate, if we don't experience him, and find out what he's like, because this knowledge, all right, I, need, I need help. Um, can you come up here, man? All right. I know, don't be embarrassed. Okay. If I don't have a relationship with him, it's not enough. Okay? So, you're God right now. Okay? All right. Look, it is not enough for us to sit there and you write letters to me and I've read all these letters and they're standing right next to me and I'm not having a relationship with you. I'm not experiencing and talking with you and communicating and we're sharing love and fellowship together. If there's not worship and towards them, it's nothing. There has to be that. So this experiential realm right here, is the knowledge side that I'm desperately hoping that we've come away from as we understand this. This is the knowledge side. I know him. So go ahead and sit down. Thank you. Um, there, are two, there are two words, and I remember this. I can't believe I remember this, but this week I was sitting there, and I, I remembered something from high school, believe it or not. And it was, um, it was in Spanish class. I was like, unbelievable. I was terrible at Spanish. I tried real hard, but I was terrible. My grandfather's from Spain. I should be really good at this, but I was not very good at it. 
Okay, I could roll my R as well, and that's about it. So there were two words for the word no, to know, K-N-O-W. Two different words in their language, and we have the same word, to know. They have two separate words. One of them is, I know what this piece of paper says, and the other word is, I know Abby. I have relationship. That's the two different sides, again, that I'm talking about. We have wisdom. I know facts about Abby. I know she's this old. I know she dresses this way. I know, but, but, da, 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 da. That's, I could read from paper and I could find out all about Abby. Go to Facebook. Watch, look at all the pictures. Okay, Abby. But until I have a relationship with her, it's nothing. All right? So you have to have knowledge. You have to have experience with God. I'm, I'm, I know it's hard to hear, but I don't know if it's even an option for us in our day and time. We have to know God by experience. You have to have a testimony of him in your life for you to stand firm in the days to come. You need an experience with him. Let's look at one more. His divine power is granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through, look at it, the knowledge of him who called to us to him, to his own glory, glory and excellence. I want you to look at this. All things that pertain to life and godliness come through the knowledge of God. All things. For me to have fullness of life, I have to experience God. For me to be able to, to dwell in peace in my heart, I have to experience him. For me to be able to have an amazing worship time with him, I have to actually experience him, not just sing a song. For me to be able to trust him completely with my finances, I have to build a relationship of trust there. There has got to be understanding of who God is. Personal understanding. Your testimony. Your understanding of him. Your relationship with him. I want to go back through these verses now. Because, uh, actually, let's go back one second. I keep forgetting my stories. Oh, my goodness. All right. Um... This is about knowledge, and I want to, it's just a brief example, um, but it's a question I'm going to ask you, but I'll tell you the story first. There was a woman, this is completely hypothetical, there was a woman who decided that um, she she didn't really know what to feed her kids. She'd never read anything about feeding her kids. Nobody had ever taught her, so she decided the best diet for her kids was going to be meat only. That was it, just meat. Steak, chicken, pork, all day long, that's it. And then one day she discovered a pamphlet that showed her great healthy nutrition tips. So she decided, I'm going to start following these and I'm going to go down this path. And I'm going to uh, feed my kids better. I'm going to feed them all these different healthy things. And she saw that her kids did better in school, that they were healthier, they had more energy and all these things. So great. That, that's pretty common knowledge to us. Here's the question, though. Did the mother love her children any less when she didn't know what to feed them? No. The answer is no. And so what I want you to understand is that I am no way attacking your love of God. I'm in no way attacking that. But 
before the woman had knowledge of the right, an outside source of the right thing to feed her children, she, she loved them just the same, but they were healthier. And here's the kicker there was fruit in their lives when she found out the right knowledge. There was fruit in their life because she found out the right knowledge. Didn't mean she loved her any less, loved the children any less. And that's amazing. They did, I, you know what? I'm not going to love my life, wife any less, whether when she knows something or not. That's not the point. Okay? And she didn't love her children any less, just like you don't love the Lord any less. But you have to have that experience with him. You have to have knowledge to connect to him. Because, like I said before, it's not enough to look and see someone in a pulpit. You have to lift your eyes higher. You have to get a higher vision of who he is. It's not enough just to look at me. It's not enough just to look at Paul. you got to lift your vision higher. Because the experience is there and he's waiting for you. And I've seen amazing things. Hmm. I've seen amazing things um, come out of personal experience. Personal experience with God. So let's break these uh, these four verses down that come before this reward. Remember we talked about um, in verse... Uh, in verse 5, it talks about uh, you'll find the fear of the Lord, or understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. So we've just established the prize. We want those things in our life. And, and after all of me saying these things, we, all right, you need wisdom, you need knowledge. Now, let's look at how we get it. There are four big, huge things and areas that we have to look at. So very first verse, my son. Stop right there. I, can't, I don't even have to go any further before we get to the first point. Many theologians believe that when Solomon was talking, he looked at, he, he wrote down this verse, my son, or he wrote down those two words, my son, and in the very first three books of, or, or the first three chapters of Proverbs, he writes it down six different times to start off. And many theologians believe, oh, that was just, that was just because um, God was giving him wisdom, but he was talking to his son. So therefore, they say, it, it just means he was talking to his son. I believe the, the word of God is inspired, and when I looked at this, immediately it left off the page to me. My son, and it's the point that I've been making for the past, past few minutes, if there's not relationship, if you, aren't, you don't understand yourself to be a son or daughter of the king, you can't really go forward. Do you know you're a son and daughter of the king? Do you know it? Because it says a son can come into my presence anytime. A daughter can experience me and not have to wait in line. They can come in whenever. Do you know you're a son? Do you know you're a daughter? That's the very first point. Secondly, it says, if you receive my words and treasure my commands within you. This immediately talks about the very first key. Let the word of God touch your heart and take root. If when you read this, life does not come from it, I question whether you're allowing it to. Because there is amazing 
amazing truths in here. But it takes allowing the Word of God to touch you. And I'm not talking about, oh, just fuzzy, feely weirdness. I'm talking about you really let what's on those pages live out inside your life. The second point, I'm going to spend a little more time on these. It says, so that you incline your ear to wisdom and apply your heart to understanding. It means when somebody's speaking and they're saying, here's what God says, you immediately have the ear to say, I want to listen to that person. And when the word of God is spoken and read, you listen and say, oh gosh, that, that's good. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to incline my ear to what that person is saying and listen to what they have to say. Listen to what the word of God says. Listen to the man or, God, man or woman of God because they have gone into a secret place and found out something about God and they've experienced him and now they're bringing it out to show you so that you can do the same. So immediately when you hear someone speak of God, and I know sometimes, you know what, you're going to get hurt in church. And sometimes somebody is going to say something from this pulpit, I might even said of something already from here, that rubs you wrong. But when you start to shut down and turn off and step away from the good things that someone is trying to speak into your life, you do this right here. You don't incline your ear to wisdom and you don't apply it. But the second part of that is great. We have to be hungry for the word. I had an interesting character one time tell me this. I said, you want to get hungry? Don't eat. Okay. You want to get hungry? Don't eat. I said, what does that mean? He said, he said, why don't you fast for a little bit and find out? I was like, okay. So I did. I didn't eat. And I found that my thoughts were consumed with food. And I had to work really hard to turn myself and figure out, all right, I know food. I knew it tastes really good. When I drove by that barbecue place, all I could think about was stopping. But I didn't. But he said, when you, you really want to experience, you really want to be hungry, you have to understand there is no substitute for the presence of God and the Word of God. There's no substitute. There's nothing else that's going to fill the void of hunger that God placed in your spirit when you were born for desiring to know deeper things. That curiosity and wonder of, man, I wonder what God is really like, that was placed in you from the beginning. And that hunger, sometimes you just have to open up and follow it. But I can tell you all about one of my mother's homemade dishes. I can tell you every single little thing about it, how it tastes, and oh, it's so good. But until, you, until I serve it to you, are you going to be craving that? No. Until you have an experience with God, it's going to be really hard for you to be hungry for it again. Right? Because it's all going to be wisdom. And this is the part of knowledge that you have to understand. If we just search in here to find every single answer without ever experiencing him, we won't be hungry for this. 
We won't be hungry for his presence. So there's an experience. But how do, how do you get hungry? You have to get some kind of experience because I promise after you get one, after, you, after he touches your heart one time, oh, you're going to want more. How many of you guys have felt that? I would almost call it a spiritual high after God really does something in your life. Do you know what I'm talking about? I mean, he touches your heart and you're like, whoo, I, I could go run around the world right now. I'm so excited. I, I, I can do anything because it's this, it's this amazing high. God came through or he touched my heart and I just couldn't understand why, but he, he did something inside of me. That experience, I promise, when you have it, you're hungry for it again. But you want to get hungry? You're going to have to have that first. You're going to have to open up your heart and allow that first time to happen. And you'll be hungry for it again, I promise. Yes, if you cry out for discernment and lift your voice for understanding. This is the third point. We have to ask. When we're going through a hard situation, there are a ton of scriptures in here. But I have asked God before to take me to the right one, and he did. Also, in a a circumstance where I needed financial help, I was going on a mission trip, and uh, the money was due the next day, on Monday. And on Sunday morning, I got up, and I was 12 or 13 years old, and I remember telling my parents, I've prayed all night, I hope God comes through. I don't know how I'm going to do this, because they had already given me some, they couldn't help me anymore, and they knew that it was better for me to trust God for that than to walk away. So, we all went to church. I prayed and I prayed and the whole time, Lord, I just, I really hope that this comes through. I need $400. Do the next day. There's no other options. I came back home. I walked to the front door and there's an envelope on the front door. Take it off, open it up, four $100 bills. All right. I asked, and I had the provision taken care of. My parents promise up and down it was not them, and I completely believe them, because countless other times it's happened to me, and it's happened to them. And I'm not talking about just three or four hundred dollars. There was once where it was ten thousand, where God said, "You're going to start something," and we said, "Well, Lord, that's probably going to take ten thousand dollars." Went to go see someone. Actually, I take that back. We went to go lead worship. My dad led worship for many years, and I went with him. I was playing bass. I helped him lead worship, and we were getting finished um, with a pretty long set, and we were both kind of tired, and we got down. The speaker came up to start speaking, and we went around to the foyer in the back and kind of chit-chatting and getting some water, and a guy walked up and said, "Um, the Lord told me to give you this, and slips a check in my dad's front pocket. A couple hours later when we were in the car driving away, I was like, what is that? What was that? He said, I don't know. Pulls it out, and it's $10,000. The amount of people who knew that in the entire world that we were, that that vision was in our heart was four. Me, my mom, my dad, and one person. And I know that person didn't say it because they lived six hours away and had no idea where we were going that, when we left. 
There's no chance. He, was, he provided. But we had to ask for it because I remember sitting there praying and saying, Lord, if you want this to happen, come through. I'm asking you to come through. So when we want the right wisdom and the right understanding for a situation, we've got to be willing to ask. I think a better phrasing of this would be we have to be humble enough to ask. Because like Paul talked about on, Sat- on Sunday, Pastor Paul said, you're going to have to be willing to trust people. You're going to have to be willing to trust God again. You're going to have to be willing to ask for help. I prayed with some people where that was, that was difficult. I know for me sometimes it is. I've got to ask God for help. I, I want to be able to provide everything for me and my wife that we'll ever need. It's a huge passion and desire in my heart. I, I don't want us to have ever have any need. But you know what? There's going to come a moment where I'm going to have to humble myself and I'm going to have to ask for help because I can't do it alone and neither can you. So we have to be humble enough to ask. Last verse. If you seek her as silver and search for her as hidden treasure. We have to be willing to pursue something. If you're willing If you're willing to get done from church on Sunday morning, speed home, cook dinner, just to watch your favorite TV show. Or if you're, if you're willing to cut out a huge chunk of your time in the day for a really, really good book, you're pursuing some experience, right? I want something. I want, I want to find out what happens at the end of the book. I want to know this television series, how it ends. I want yada, yada, yada. Okay? If we don't have the same willingness to pursue God, this wisdom and knowledge thing, us being able to balance both the understanding of God and what he says in his word is not going to happen because we're not willing to go to the ends of the earth to find it. I had somebody say one time, did you know that if you ran a thousand miles, you'd never experience the end of God's love? And if he shot you off in a rocket ship up to the stars and you traveled for a thousand years, you know what? You'd still never experience the end of God's love. One of my favorite verses is Jeremiah 33.3. It says, um, oh shoot, I'm going to have to turn to it. No, it says this, call to me and I will answer you and show you great, and this is my favorite word, unsearchable things that you do not know. I don't know about you, but sometimes... Trying to find unsearchable things seems like a waste of time. Until God gets in the picture. He's unsearchable, guys. You'll never find the end of his wisdom. You'll never find the end of his love. You'll never find the end of his goodness. But we have to be willing to pursue it. We have to be willing to go that thousand miles. We have to be willing to go our whole 80 years on this earth or however long, to get to the end. We have to pursue it the whole time. And if we're not willing to pursue it, I'm afraid that these last things we will never find. I read a verse on Sunday 
from Ephesians 1. If you have your Bible, you can turn to it. Ephesians 1, verse 17. Paul is praying. He says, I pray that the God of glory, I'm sorry, I pray that God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, would give you spirit spirit of wisdom and revelation, that's the first thing, in the knowledge of him. The Ephesians here were talking, um, they were some people who had really gotten caught up in head knowledge. They had gotten really caught up in exactly what um, the words say. And they had taken out of the equation the experiential realm of God. And they just said, we'll keep the wisdom. But he said, I pray for you. I, I lo-, he said, I love it that you have the wisdom. I love that you love wisdom so much. But... I pray that Father Glory would give to you a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, in the experience of him. So I want to ask, where do you turn when you, when you need help? Where do you turn to? Because there are two elements here that I, I really pray that we always turn to and that we always don't get caught up in. One of them is his word. That is foundational. That is always going to be there. The other part of them is, though, is knowing him by experience. If I didn't experience what I experienced with God coming through financially for me to go on that mission trip, how am I going to... Am I going to trust him the same way the next time? I experienced his faithfulness. And I know he's good. And you know what? It was who he is, an amazing act, him moving through somebody else's heart, that caused an amazing experience for me to happen, that no matter how hard I read these pages are not going to turn into money. There had to be an experience. And it's amazing to me that we serve a God who he doesn't just say, all right, read some words and, and believe wholeheartedly in that. You're going to, guess what? We also get to experience him. We get to. And that's, I want to use that phrasing with a lot of importance. We get to experience God. watching a documentary, and some of you guys have seen it, um, called Father of Lights, and one phrase stuck out to me, huge, and, and my wife and I talked about this a lot, S- said, a, a man was talking, he said, you know what, we are the only people who serve a God that actually pursues us. Every other re- religion People have to strive and pursue and work really hard to please God. And we're the only one where God first pursued us. That shows a love and a desire for experience that is unparalleled to anything else that I've ever seen. I'll tell you the second most important, amazing experience that I saw in the Word of God when I opened it that blew my mind. It's when 
Jesus is in the garden, and he said this. He's praying to his father. He said, Father, those that you have given me, I desire them to be with me where I am. In the moment right before he went to the cross, instead of of talking about all the pain that he was about to go through and all of the hard things, Jesus decided in that last conversation with his father, he was going to talk about you and the experience he wanted to have with you. I want them to be with me where I am. I want them to be with me. To be in an experience with me, to be lost in my heart, to seek after and search after me for the rest of their days. I want to have experience with them. I'm not saying tonight that you're going to have an experience like Ezekiel did where you're going to sit in this place for the next seven days astounded and astonished with mouth on the floor. It'd be really interesting. (laughs) But there's an experiential realm and there is a, a realm of wisdom that we have to walk in both. Like I said before, it's two, two feet. I have to use both of them to get to where I'm going. I have to use wisdom, the wisdom that comes from the Word of God, and I have to use the experience that I have with Him to walk this thing out. So tonight, I want you to, I want you to bow your heads, and I want you to close your eyes. Tammy, would you play, please? I don't know whether or not anyone in here is caught up in one side of this or another, whether you're caught up in just I always just want to have an experience with God, but I never open up his word. Or I always open up his word, but I never really have an experience with him. But right now you have an opportunity to say, all right, I'm going to start balancing this out. I'm going to walk with both, of, both feet. I'm not going to just use one of my feet anymore. I'm not going to use just one part of my foundation. So I want you to talk to God right now, and I want you to Ask him, Lord, is there any part of my life that I need to balance this out? Am I too far over in head knowledge and I don't really experience you, Lord? Or I experience you, Lord, all the time, but my, my plumb line, my wisdom that comes from the word of God, I just don't go to it enough. We have to have balance. Because after all of those four scriptures of telling us exactly what we need to do, the prize wasn't one or the other. The prize was you get to experience his word and his wisdom, and you get to experience a relationship with him. So Lord, tonight I ask that you would touch our hearts and you would begin to open up our hearts to realize that we have to experience you fully. That it can't be 
just the word and it can't be just experience. We've got to have both. Lord, I ask that if we're in balance tonight in one way or the other, that you would begin to balance us and take us into the middle. Teach us to use both of our feet to walk this out. I encourage you in the next few days to not walk out and say, that was nice. But I encourage you to look in your life and say, am I, am I both experiencing God and am I seeking after him and his word? Am I doing both and balancing my life out so that both elements are involved? If you're searching for an answer to a problem, and you haven't been using both sides. Begin to seek and look for both sides. Begin to look at both. Because maybe he wants to speak to your heart and tell you specifically something. Let me tell you, the first time that I ever heard God speak directly to me and tell me he loved me was the most revelatory thing, and it blew my mind, and I cried for hours because I I experienced it. If you need it, that experience, you can have it. He is waiting for you. He's the only one who's pursued you guys. He's the only one who's pursued. Lord, I thank you so much that your word is true, that it's always faithful to us. I ask for experience with you in in the word of God this week for every person in this room. That we would get connected to your heart and we would begin to experience you in amazing, miraculous ways. That we would lay aside our pride, that we would lay aside all conventional wisdom when it, and really let ourselves experience you. But let us remember, we must have both. We must have your wisdom and we must have an experience, a relationship and understanding with you. We must know you. Not just from a piece of paper, but know you and experience you. Father, I thank you for this evening. I thank you that you were so good to us and brought us here. Fill our hearts up as we go. Let us be able to experience you wholeheartedly tonight. Let us be able to find the right thing in your word or in the secret place with you that is going to be able to help us for this next hurdle and this next situation in life. Help us to rely on your spirit and lean on it. 
and lean on the wisdom of your word in every situation. Teach us to be hungry, Lord, and teach us how to pursue you better every single day. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you guys for listening tonight. Again, there's no service on Wednesday, next Wednesday night. Have a great night. I'll see you on Sunday.